Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am Sterling Holmes, joined by Matt Connor. The boys are back in town like Finn Lizzie. Lots to talk about. Uh, breaking down the final nuggets of the preseason game against the Chicago Bears, a.k.a. the Bears Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to talk about the signing of a sturdy man in Danny Shelton. Uh, a whole bunch more. But first, Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I... Uh... I don't know. I've got old school R&B on the mind. You and I were talking Belle Biv DeVoe earlier. I was singing Biz Marquee. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. And by the way, for those of you, you're very lucky. You're not actually in the pre-show little meeting that we do. It was 90% Matt Connor singing Biz Marquee and Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> it was intriguing. I'll say it there. It was very intriguing. Uh, but I'm doing good. I had a uh, lake trip, golf trip, Ryder Cup down at Lake of the Ozarks. I will give some advice. Going to Shady Gators before you have a 6.30 a.m. tee time, playing 36 holes that day is uh, not good. Not Shady good. Gators, is that like a Demarcus Robinson nickname? I mean, that guy was suspended like three times at the University of Florida. I'm pretty sure that's a good joke. That's a good Chiefs-related joke. How are you not laughing at that? One of your worst. Oh, baby, you. Yeah. Let's get into, (laughs) before we get into Chiefs Talk, Casey Beer Co. uh, Airhead Ag Podcast brought to you by Casey Beer Company, largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. The only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles. Use only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast. Uh, It is delicious. I'm drinking the Hefeweizen right now. Uh, Again, anytime you guys support Casey Beer Co., anytime you guys tag us in a tweet. It means the world to us. It means the world to them. It helps keep this partnership going. Uh, anytime I can drink some Casey Beer Co. for free, I'm always on board. So thank you guys. Thank you, Casey Beer Co. Now let's talk Chiefs. Yo, so uh, the Kansas City Chiefs today, uh, at, as of what two hours ago, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time, had to be down to 85 players compared to uh, the 90-man roster that they came in with. Remember, all offseason long, the Chiefs can carry 90 guys. Everyone's team can carry 90 guys. Here's how this goes in case you're new to the NFL's process. Each team had to cut five guys to get down to 85 today. By next Tuesday, which there will be another offseason or preseason game, we get down to 80 by next Tuesday, the 23rd. That's another five guys. Then it's crazy. (laughs) And like, what, 27 more guys have to come off the board the seven days after that. So it goes 5-5-27 to get down to the 53-man roster that begins the regular season. So the Chiefs started today, um, actually started yesterday, cutting a few guys. Now look, some of these guys, some of these guys, if you say who they are, I think even... A lot of Chiefs would say, I'm passionate about the team, are going to end up going, who the hell's that, right? I mean, so they dumped Gary Jennings. Earlier, Sterling and I were talking about this. I said Gary Jennings. He thought we were talking about Greg Jennings, the old Packers guy. I was like, Greg Jennings? Um, Dude's got to be 45. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they finally cut him. They finally cut him after giving him a chance. Hey, look, if we're giving Corin Coleman and Josh Gordon a chance, why not Greg Jennings? I mean, uh, what else is going on there? So – Gary Jennings is gone. Um, Devin Gray is gone, who they just signed last week. Omar Bayless is gone. And then Lonnie Johnson, the cornerback, is the biggest name. He's gone. And then they also released um, 
some other guy today that I forget his name. I'm sure we can come up with it. It sounds like Coach Shashevsky. Looking at his yeah, last name, it yeah. looks like Shashevsky. There was no yeah. chance I was going to try to pronounce that. So let me ask you this, uh, because the one name there that stands out is another reclamation project, you know, from Brett Veach. We see this a lot in the secondary, by the way. DeAndre Baker, former first round pick. Um, Mike Hughes, former first round pick last year. This year, Lonnie Johnson seemed to be the guy that we'd trade for and would maybe provide some veteran experience and like a former early round pick to try to give him a change of scenery. Were you surprised by Lonnie Johnson's inclusion in the first round of guys that, that are mostly comprised of guys that we don't even like know anything about? I would say I was surprised at first glance because I thought Lonnie Johnson had a role this season. Uh, Spags joked about all the young rookies on the team. He said, I wish it didn't all happen at once. Well, that's now in full effect with Lonnie Johnson being released. This is best case scenario, though, for Lonnie. I think the Chiefs are trying to do right by him because he will probably get picked up by another team. This allows him the greatest opportunity to get a job now instead of waiting, waiting, and waiting. So it makes the most sense for Lonnie. But this also tells me the Chiefs have this much faith in the youth movement going on. Uh, They must really like Jalen Watson, right? This must mean that they are fully entrenched with Joshua Williams getting meaningful snaps. I thought the versatility and the experience of Lonnie Johnson was going to shine through at least at times in a backup role. I wasn't expecting Lonnie Johnson to be a starter or get a ton of meaningful snaps. But if someone went down, having someone who's played actual NFL snaps, I'll bite on a horrible Houston Texans team, still adds some sort of, of value and professionalism, something that you know. Again, this is a good sign. That's the way I'm taking this. I want to share your optimism. Um, I was a little concerned. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Brett Veach is trying to do right by his veterans. He already cut DeAndre Baker several days ago. I mean, he's given these guys really long runways. There's a lot of preseason left for some teams to evaluate guys if they really don't know what they're doing at a particular position. Lonnie Johnson could technically play two more games. That That's good. That's good. Same with Baker. I, I am, however, a little concerned in that Lonnie Johnson is no longer on the team, but Devin Key is. Nasir Greer is. I'm not surprised that the draft picks are still around, even like seventh rounders like Jalen Watson, Nazi Johnson, whatever. We talk about Joshua Williams and, of course, Trent McDuffie. But I'm a little surprised that they've let all that back-end experience go. It really feels like Sneed, Fenton, and then a bunch of kids, like like all kids. And I don't know, I, that, that feels a little bit risky to me at the sake of doing right by the player. Sure. I mean, does that not worry you at, at all? No, it does. But the Chiefs, I, I think, have a reputation around the NFL, for the most part, as being a top-notch from, from Clark Hunt down. They do right by the players. They try and help them. Uh, They give second chances to an extent, obviously, but they try and do right by the players. And in return, a lot of times it feels like players want to play for Kansas City. And that all comes with this territory of, sure, you might have to release a guy a game or two before you would like to, but that allows that player to have the best opportunity and you don't burn bridges. Uh, I guess I was surprised to an extent because Justin Reed, I'm assuming here, 
again, I'm assuming probably had some say and some sway in bringing in, obviously, Lonnie Johnson playing in Houston together, saying, hey, maybe Lonnie Johnson, the numbers don't add up because it was such a dysfunctional organization. But obviously, the Chiefs feel differently. I am taking this as a positive. Uh, Maybe they bring in a veteran. Again, you and I have talked about all the draft capital Kansas City has. Uh, A a move at the deadline would not be out of the equation. Uh, Maybe a move before the deadline would not be out of the equation. Uh, But I do think this means they have that much faith in the youth. And let me remind you, while they can't technically develop a lot of edge guys, they've done a great job developing cornerbacks, whether that's Traverius Ward, who was undrafted, whether that was Rashad Fenton in the sixth, whether that was Legereus Sneed in the fourth. They've done a fine job of having a prototype or a guy and developing them. They have a first rounder now in Trent McDuffie, who all accounts I'm assuming is going to be tabbed to be starting. He better be. I mean, you're going to have to roll with it. Let the kids play. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, one, if McDuffie can't start, even even as a rookie, even in week one, as a first-rounder, if you can't start in this bunch, uh, that's not a good sign. And I don't mean that as shade on on Snead and Fenton, but let's be real. Fenton was a little bit of a surprise last year, um, and Snead had a, had a down year last year after a sensational rookie year. Um, I still think we're going to see more upside from Snead. I'm positive about him. I'm, I'm bullish on his potential. Um, but, yeah, this is not a deep group, and it's not a group with a high ceiling without McDuffie. And so I think you're right there. He's got to earn a starting spot. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do, do you think Bashad Breeland, who was released, I saw Bashad Breeland out there tweeting, or not even released, Bashad Breeland saying he wanted a chance to ball. You want uh, the ups and downs of him back? <laughs> No, uh, no, I don't. But 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 you bring up a point, and and like looking at the comments, we have some comments here even that wonder, you know, is Veach gonna go? Mister Swamp says, you know, uh, here's how to interpret the 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 DeAndre Baker release. Um, is Veach gonna go and get another cornerback um, prior to the deadline? So the, you know, the deadline we're talking a long time. I mean, think yeah. of think of how long it takes to get through that first half of a season. Um, we're looking at November and mm. talking about that now in mid-August. But, you know, would it surprise you to see the Chiefs add a veteran corner before the season starts? It, it depends on the corner. I think it would have to be a clear upgrade. Because Lonnie Johnson, to me, was a... I don't want to say clear upgrade, but Lonnie Johnson was, again, a guy who's played professional snaps in a professional game, NFL game, made sense. It made sense. He was a high draft pick. Um, I know the Chiefs love their former high draft picks, Taco Charlton, DeAndre Baker. That seems like their go-to to try and see if they can bring that potential out. If they bring out a veteran, it has to be a clear improvement. That's what I'm saying right now, because I think they have faith in either DiCaprio Boodle, Joshua Williams, uh, Watson, but that has to be what they're going with. They know more than us. They see them every single day. Right. Yeah. We see the clips. We go down there. We go to training camp. We can see what they're doing, but they know more than us. They know how comfortable they are, how quick the rookies are picking up the, the, the playbook. That's what really it comes down to. And they obviously have faith in this young group of guys. Well, you know, 
when you when you begin to add the young guys, Josh Williams has been playing with the ones at times. Yeah. Trey McDuffie, Sneed Fenton, you're already looking then at CB5 mm-hmm. after those four. And so if you say they like Boodle too, enough to make him. If you say Jalen Watson has that chance, it gets crowded real fast. So in a way it feels thin, but if you account for those top young guys, it gets crowded real fast. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get it. Um, you know, they're, they're rolling with the young guys. They have the draft capital and, and, uh, and the money to go get their guy if they need their guy. Um, if they're going to go, but you're right. If they're going to go get a guy, it's not going to be another change of scenery guy. It's going to be a, holy shit, we added this guy. And, and it's not going to be Marcus Peters. It's not going to be Jalen Ramsey. No, but, but it's going to be, the, it's going to be a, oh, he's a clear contributor and upgrade. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Because those four I'm comfortable with, with Williams, McDuffie, Legarius, and Fenton. Those four I'm, I'm honestly very solid with. The bottom yeah. two, I have concerns with, I'm assuming Watson and Boodle now at this point. I have concerns, but at some point you have to throw them in play because Boodle's yeah. now going into his second year. How long can you keep him on the practice squad? If Watson has shown you anything, well, you're saying he might not get much playing time anyways, but he can learn and we think his athleticism or whatever he brings is enough to warrant keeping him over Lonnie Johnson. That's what it comes down to because CB5, CB6 won't be playing a ton anyways. And if they are, it's going to be primarily on special teams. Injuries are a concern, but then again, that's when the trade deadline comes into play. That's when trades happen throughout the season. Uh, A veteran who is sitting out there could come in. I'm not completely concerned. Uh, Again, Mr. Swamp says this, the defense is going to need a third to a half season to pick up. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a struggle. We've seen veterans struggle for half a season in this, in this, Spags defense. It's gonna yeah. happen. I, I yeah. have the yeah, I have expectations of a third to half the season defense is gonna have they're gonna take their lumps. I'm expecting that. But as long as they are solid by, you know, game eight, game nine and on, playoff time, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um um one more note on corners. I'm a little um I wonder what you think of this. One guy who's still remaining on the Chiefs, Chris Lamons, right? I have to admit, and like I've said, I've said a little bit about this on Twitter. I'm just going to go all in here. I don't understand what in the world Chris Lamons is doing on the Kansas City Chiefs roster. I don't get it. The guy has pending assault and battery charges from an offseason incident with Alvin Kamara um, outside a nightclub in New Orleans where he allegedly punched and kicked a guy. He's he's had he's had these charges delayed in terms of the hearing. Um, you know, the Chiefs signed Damon Arnett and then cut him like two weeks later in the offseason. And he had all kinds of similar, like, uh, like violent behavior, getting him in legal trouble. Here's Chris Lamont. Like the, the guy, the guy doesn't enter the conversation for a primary contributor. Like we're not talking about Chris Lamont's and in talent terms of like, oh yeah, we got Sneed, Lamont, Fenton. Like it's not, he's a guy we're not even talking about in terms of talent. So why in the world is he there? You got to believe that they love him on special teams and they're and they're sticking with him through the thick and thin. To me, it's not worth the PR lumps that the Chiefs would take to have him out there on the team, knowing he's got like this whole thing hanging over his head. Look, man, Frank Clark had much more about just having an Uzi in the back seat of his car than Lamons has taken. And Frank's a much higher profile figure. But dude, honestly, if, if you're the Chiefs, get Lamons the hell off the roster. I mean, this, I mean, if you're going to dump a guy, dump a guy, dump a guy who's dumping other guys. This is, it, it, it's just silly to me. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say it, whatever. I, I, 
I don't get it at all. I don't know if you have a thought on that or whatever. Maybe I just made it real awkward because now I'm going to be, I don't know, Chris Lambert is going to come to my house and add to his charges, whatever. I'm over it. That's my final thought on the cornerbacks. Okay, there you go. Final thoughts. Before we go on to a signing of a human house, of a sturdy man. As far as the wide receivers go, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out when it comes down to the last two spots of Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, uh, Darius Fountain, Justin Watson, Cornell Powell. Uh, if Powell's plays more special teams, I think that's a good sign for him. Uh, we keep hearing about Dave Tobe and Fountain going to be one of his guys on special teams, and then we don't see him on special teams. That was intriguing. I don't know what Josh Gordon's going to bring. I don't, I don't know what this ends up being, but these next two games and who plays the most special teams to me is going to be who makes this roster. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm real interested in this. It, it, I'm surprised the Chiefs just cut three wideouts, and then when you were listing all those guys, I'm like, damn, it's still crowded. I mean, it's still just not super clear uh, what they're going to do, and I think then like the Blake Bell injury makes you wonder like, will they keep three? Will they keep four tight ends? If so, how does that affect the number of wideouts? So there's a little bit of, there's so much mystery about those final spots at wideout and how many they keep and what roles they serve. And, and you're right. You know, uh, what did Fountain play a single special team snap on Saturday? I believe it was zero. I, I think you're right. I think there was like, there was nothing. So I, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I would say with, with tight end though, really quickly with Blake Bell, with who knows, with the unusual yeah, hip, unusual hip, hip pointer. Like yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. The the guy they got from Oakland, right, uh, Bushman, he could be a guy on the roster until he gets healthy. I, I think Michael Burton could easily take the blocking snaps from Blake Bell. Uh, maybe you see more in Noah Gray early on. But again, Blake Bell's primarily used as a blocking tight end to begin with. I don't think it's anything they can't handle if he's forced to miss a couple games. If it's a full season type situation, not saying it is. That's being drastic, correct? I'm just yeah. saying if it's a couple games, I for sure think Burton and Noah Gray, Jody Fortson can handle that couple game spot. Totally agree. Uh, Sterling, let's play a real quick game and then we'll move on. I want to play real Chiefs player or fake name I just made up or brought up. All right. So I'm going to like, like don't cheat. Don't look at the active roster right now. Okay. But if you want, if you want a perspective of, well, how many guys do the chiefs really have left to cut? I'm just going to say a name and you say, Oh yeah, that's a chiefs player. Or you say, I made this up. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Francisco Whitfield. Gotta be fake. Okay. Azure Kamara. Real played at Kansas. <laughs> okay. Vitaly German. That name's got to be real. You can't come up with something like that. Am I right? Yeah, you're kind of right about that. Oh, three for three, baby. Brian Steiner. Fake. Okay. You got to let me know. Is it real or fake? I got to know these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fake. All right, here we go. Uh, Real or fake? David Steinmetz. That's real. That's how you got the first name. Oh, dang it. See, dude, I can read you like a book, Matt Connor. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So, clearly... The point is made. The Chiefs have crazy named guys who don't really matter. And also, I'm a really crappy host at is this a real player or not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's switch gears. Danny Shelton, the human house, one of the largest men I have ever seen in photos. In this photos. dude made a video. <laughs> I've not seen him in person. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. But well, standing I next to like of you looking at photos of like large men, I, you know, I, of all the photos I've looked at, of all the magazines 
that Polaroids. I'm in the bathroom with of large men. Uh, this this Danny Shelton is one of the larger ones I've ever sturdiest. Come one of the sturdiest. I've I've, I've got to say one of the sturdiest beans I've ever seen. Uh, he <laughs> makes <laughs> Michael Dana look tiny, and I'm not saying this guy's like out of shape. He's obviously a in shape guy. I mean, he took on a triple team, not a double team, a triple team. Just blew up that run play. I'm sitting here like, okay, the Chiefs found their backup to to Derek Naughty. They want someone who can come in that backup role. Don't have to worry about him. They've been trying to find him in Colin Saunders. They've been trying in Turk Wharton. They brought in Taylor Stallworth. I think it's going to be Danny Shelton. He also has a ring, one one. Uh, I like the signing. He also is very flexible. Watching him, it's going to sound weird, watching him stretch. I'm sitting here going, I'm a 5'10", 170-pound man who does yoga, and this guy's more flexible than me. It's impressive. Uh, I think Danny Shelton, again, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, Danny Shelton's going to be the game wrecker for Kansas City that they've been looking for, but I think he's going to be a fine backup, and he's going to be someone who spells Derek Naughty and fills that run-stuffing role. You think he's around? The guy played 29% of snaps last year. Uh, Can you afford to keep a guy on the roster who plays so little, who's now a year older with that much less stamina? Is he really going to – are you really taking him over Colin Saunders? Are you really taking him over over Taylor Stallworth? I mean, like, I mean, is that, are, are you thinking that, that uh, maybe the, you just laughed at that? Maybe I said something that's really like dramatic. Hey, what were Taylor Stall, like, wow, Taylor Stallworth. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What do you like? What do you think of uh, who's he taking over for given his role? I'm actually laughing at the angry, drunken German comment. That was just outstanding. I could see Sterling walking into a 40 year old hot yoga class wearing yoga pants with a smirk. Uh, there, I wear yoga shorts. You are known, uh, but yeah, dude. you are known. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I I do think he makes the roster, even if he is a late signing. I just think he brings something to the table that Kansas City has been wanting, and that's a run stuffer. They've struggled against the run, and it's not necessarily because of linebackers. I think Anthony Hitchens, Nick Bolton. They were fine against the run. It came down to they were just getting to that second level so quickly. They couldn't stop anyone up front. This is huge. Now when Derek Nadi comes out, you don't have to worry. This guy can eat triple teams, double teams like a light snack. Okay? Taylor Stallworth, small contract. He might make the team. But it comes down to him and Colin Saunders. I think Turk Wharton's fine. Colin Saunders, if he's not shown anything, at some point it's like you have to show and it's concerning that last year he was scratched from games for no apparent reason. He was. I think it, it comes down to Stallworth and Colin Saunders because I think Danny Shelton is now, I'm not going to say in pin, but in, in dark pencil, I think you can you can write Danny Shelton's name in. Dark, dark pencil. I like it. Yeah, by the way, it says, who was that Brad Pitt character who was a fitness instructor in Burn After Reading, uh, the Coen Brothers movie? Yeah, that's uh, kind of perfect Sterling right now. Yeah. He remi- Sterling reminds me of one of those fitness instructors from the seventies or eighties. Oh yeah. That's like a good compliment. <laughs> I would, I would take that and own that by the way, folks, uh, we're reading some of the comments. So many of these comments are from members of our arrowhead addict discord channel. We actually have memberships um, for those who want to hang out further with us and make fun of Sterling and myself. I saw something earlier about having a full goatee, but I try to do the beard thing, but my cheeks, it's like, I have like, I tried Chia Chin and miracle Grow, 
It just doesn't work. So come at me, bro, about my hair. That's fine. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to hang out with <laughs> make fun of any of us, make fun of all of us. Uh, come join us. Uh, all the information on Arrowhead Addict memberships are where are in the information or description section. Oh, however you take this in. <laughs> I love it. He looks like a three musketeer. This is never going to stop. So here we go. Uh, hey, let's move on. I want um, the Chiefs played um, their first preseason game, and, and we've talked about a lot of it already. Like like a lot of us have talked it out because it's already Tuesday. Um, but you and I haven't talked about this, and I just wonder if you had any like house cleaning to do, like any remaining thoughts that you feel like haven't been overly talked about, feel like haven't been brought up. Like is there is there is there something from Saturday's game that you're like, hey, people still need to know about this. It's probably been said. I'm going to say it again. The fucking athleticism and speed of the defense was incredible. Justin Reed getting in there on multiple plays, getting physical, uh, not making business decisions was so much fun to watch. This is what the Chiefs wanted to do. They said it's not that Tyron Matthews not a great player. Tyron Matthews is still a great player. But he made some decisions last year. He was not as physical, didn't get in there. Justin Reed did. That's what they wanted to see. And that's what we saw on Saturday. I'm a big fan of the speed, athleticism, and and the way the Chiefs are going. Uh, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chanel. I don't know what Leo Chanel is going to be this year. Uh, At times, he looked a little confused. I think we're going to see that. They're obviously asking him to play a lot of different roles. At times, they wanted him to be the green dot as the backup. I I don't know what they're going to use him as. They want him to get after the passer. They want him to be the middle linebacker getting guys in place. They want him to drop into coverage. It's a lot for Leo. I'm not going to lie. But if someone's athletic enough to do it, it's him. But I like seeing him in preseason games just to see a glimpse of what the future could hold for this linebacking group. Uh, Just as a whole, I can't get over the speed and athleticism from this defense. Dude, everyone was talking about George Karloftis up front, which they should. I mean, that guy guy looked like an incredible machine. But that entire... For me, the whole front line, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Frank Clark looked mean. He had that crazy burst chasing down Justin Fields. Turk Wharton looked really good. Mike Dana has has already looked good in the preseason. Uh, Chris Jones had, you know, had that early sack, looked good. This whole defensive line, it's like Joe Cullen was like an angel from God visiting this team in this off season, he joins the lot. And then suddenly you're like, I know it's early. I know it's preseason, but the entire defensive line looks better. Every single player looks better. I like, I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's like they've all bought in. They've, they've all come together in a way that wasn't there before. It makes me wonder was Brendan Daly, the issue before mm. is Joe Cullen really responsible for this? Or is it just sort of magical timing that, Hey, Karloff, this looks good. And Frank Clark knows this is it. And, and, and it all comes together. Who knows? But I, yeah, I'm, I couldn't believe the way the whole line looked in terms of improved individuals. It looked legit. Like it looked like a legit defensive line. It didn't look like last year. It didn't look like, oh my gosh, we're getting zero pressure. The Chiefs can't get after anyone. 
Uh, I don't know if it was the Bears because the Bears obviously had their struggles last year. But again, the speed of Frank Clark, they brought it up in the comments. Colin Saunders. Ooh, I mean, Saunders looked incredible on Sunday. I, I, I mean, I mean, again, it's tough when you're going up against the Bears to really see tough measuring stick. Right. Yeah. But still, just from what we saw, the Chiefs defensive line looked much improved. And Frank Clark for losing the weight for cutting out alcohol. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Let's move on here to something that I've heard this argued both ways post game. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes came in, you know, played his series to done. We knew that was going to happen, right? Chad Henney comes in, plays his series or two, like he's starting for another team, and then he's out. And then suddenly we're seeing Shane Bouchelle, honestly, for me, way earlier than I thought we'd seen Shane Bouchelle. And then he played for much longer than I thought we'd see him play based on how early he came in. So, you know, I guess my question to you is, how do you interpret those tea leaves about the level of playing time given to those guys? I've heard it argued both ways, that there's meaning in, in, in one or the other. I'm just curious how you're taking this sort of backup quarterback battle. Is there a battle? Do, is, there a, is there no, there's a real clear pecking order. What do you make of that? So I want there to be a battle. I want Shane Bouchelle to have an actual shot of making this team. I don't think there's much to it necessarily. Chad Henney, they know what they have in him. They trust him. They they think and they know that we saw it in the playoffs, right? Chad Henney can get it done when called upon. Not going to go out there and, and sling the ball downfield, but they trust him. Shane Bouchelle is, is interesting. He's younger. He's different. I like Shane Bouchel as the backup personally. I think the Chiefs are fine going younger at this point. What's the old Peyton Manning quote? If I'm out for the for the season, we're fucked. Basically, was what it was when he was with the Colts. Yeah, yeah Mahomes misses the whole year that the Chiefs are fucked. Yeah. Uh, but if you're only going to play two games, can you get by with Chad Henney with Shane Bouchel? I think you can go by with either. The Patriots, for the most part, went younger, and there's always a mystique. If you are behind Mahomes with Andy Reid as the coach, there's going to be a mystique. If some team decides, hey, let's let's take a look at that, I'm okay with it. It worked out for them with Jimmy G. I mean, I'm not saying Shane Bouchelle would return whatever that draft package was, but it doesn't necessarily matter. I think Andy Reid can make any quarterback at least decent if they are an NFL-caliber quarterback. Sure. And going younger – you don't need to hold Mahomes' hand. That dude's a veteran. You're not carrying three quarterbacks. It makes no sense. You're carrying two. I would go with Shane Bouchelle, but I believe the Chiefs will keep Chad Henney. Okay, so you're saying what you want and what you think that meant on Sunday or two or Saturday are two different things. Correct. Okay, I think I'm inclined to agree with you, and I'm and I would agree with you on both counts. I like I like the idea of going younger. I'm I'm all for developing someone behind Mahomes. He's he's veteran enough now mentoring days are over. Not that he can't learn, but you just don't need it. That's why you have a quarterback coach. But I will say, I think, I think Chad, he played fewer snaps because they're saying we don't want either QB one or two to be injured at this point. That's how, that's how I interpreted it. Although again, I get why others are saying, no, they're giving Bouchelle that much playing time because he could be QB two. I, I see it that way too. I just, I happen to think that Henny's around for another year I don't have any real insider. It just feels like that. Andy Reid likes his his older backup quarterback. His the Nick Foles, the Matt Moore, the Chad Henney. The AJ Feelys. The AJ Feelys. I, I just again, it, it is what it is. If Reid trusts him in those situations, then he trusts him. 
I, again, I just think if you need even a game, the higher upside guy makes sense. Um, but we've not seen Kansas City or especially Andy Reid go with that same thought process. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're absolutely right. There's no, there's no drama there with us, even if there's there, even if there's just a little bit of drama with the backups. Chase Daniel, there we go. Chase Daniel made a killing. You know what? Bring him back. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to bring up something. Demarcus Robinson was cut today by the Raiders right when we went on this show. No chance he comes back as wide receiver five. Oh my gosh. Get out. Get out. Get out. I mean, we're just trying to move forward. We're trying to move forward progress. And uh, yeah, get out of here. I mean, I'd, would you like to see that? No. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to stir the stir the pot, have a little fun here. Uh, let me ask you something, too, that I'm sure will rile up some people in the comments because I feel like this is a 50-50 split. How do you feel about Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, to an extent, playing in the preseason? Because I thoroughly dislike, and this is – I'll admit it, I agree with Aaron Rodgers here. I, I don't understand, like, Mahomes or Kelsey necessarily even playing in the preseason. I don't think they get anything from this. There's – Nothing on the line. You know what they are. Any chance or extra chance of getting hurt is a detriment, at least in my opinion. I trust Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to have themselves ready for week one. I understand you can get hurt in practice. I understand you could get a hurt snap one of week one. But adding extra injury precautions or extra injury chances in preseason games, stuff that does not matter, I I dislike. Where do you stand? Um, I would separate those. I don't think that Mahomes playing – in the preseason is the same thing as Travis Kelsey playing in the preseason. Mm -hmm. To me, Travis Kelsey is much more experienced. His role is already set. Whereas um, Mahomes connectivity and chemistry to younger players um, and to like a different offensive looks matters much more. Uh, Kelsey's also in his mid thirties. So I I think that there's a differentiation between those two. I'm with you in saying, I, I hate seeing any ability to get in. I mean, you know, no one wants to see Mahomes get injured or whatever. But, you know, Mahomes himself even says, you got to mentally take that first hit to get the rust yeah. off. I'm going to I'm gonna trust that. I, I think um, I trust Reed. Look, the guy's been around for so many training camps, knows what it's like. It's not my job at stake if my quarterback goes down first week, you know. So so if, if they're out there getting those guys some meaningful reps and saying it's meaningful, I'm going to trust it. What do you take away from the running back hype around Isaiah Pacheco? Because I've gone twofold on this. I've gone one where I think, how is this different than Darwin Thompson or the plethora of other late round running backs drafted that have all this training camp offseason hype? And the other one of me saying, he didn't play much in that preseason game. They, they, they like him, and that's why they took him out early, because they know what they have in him. He's made catch after catch. Highlight reel after highlight reel. They say he's solid already in pass protection. I almost have him listed as RB2, but I'm so nervous of falling into this late round running back hype. Where do you land? Um, I I like the positive reports. I don't want to deflate optimism, but get out of here with all this. Like, you know, like how does a seventh round rookie convince the team that drafted him Oh, we don't even need to play him because we already know what we got in him. Like he doesn't need pass, like he doesn't need pass protection reps against like another NFL team. Are you kidding me? He was already that good. Oh, you like his speed's already that good. His hands are already that good. He doesn't need all this 
all this practice and the reps? Is he that much of a secret weapon that they don't want to deploy him for fear of like letting the NFL know? The dude was taken in the seventh round, like number 20 something running back taken. Like he didn't even do that much for Rutgers. Like, <laughs> like James Robinson was undrafted. How I mean, dare you? I mean, I'm just saying, just like, I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but let's tap the brakes. They're not hiding him. He needs all the reps he can get. I don't know why they didn't play him more. We may see him a lot more coming up, and maybe they're trying to make up their mind about guys who are on the fringes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is Kareem Hunt 2.0, and they know it. And week one, they're going to unleash him like Kareem Hunt in his debut. Maybe Pacheco's on the cover of Sports Illustrated in his first game as a rookie, just like Kareem Hunt. And and if so, I will be applauding and happy. But the idea that he is some, uh, you know, super <laughs> hidden gem who is who is everything that we wanted Clyde to be. It's like, are, are you are you are you kidding? Are you are you kidding with all this hype? I I I like him. Here's what I like though. Here's what I like. Um, and we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, Rojo one year deal if he makes it. Jet McKinnon one year deal if he makes it. The only guy on the roster moving forward at the position is Clyde. So I, if Pacheco can be a positive, productive back, I like him being cost controlled seventh rounder for the next four years. Um, if you can take the responsibility of kick returner off of a corner or wide receiver to try to replace Byron Pringle, then I like him already taking care of that too because you can look for other things at those positions versus like forcing a returner at like wide receiver five or six. So I like what Pacheco is providing the Chiefs. I'm not trying to say I don't like him, um, but the hype is is some people are running with with crazy notions. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I do that too from time to time, but I'm not doing it with Pacheco. Yeah, when I heard Kareem Hunt 2.0 or he's better than Hunt, he's Jamal Charles and Hunt combined, I'm just like, Calm down. If he was, he would have been drafted way earlier. I'm excited about him. I will be cautiously optimistic about him. I also think that running backs can be drafted in the seventh round or later and have a lot of success success in the NFL. Where was Priest Holmes drafted, right? Where was James Robinson drafted? It doesn't matter where you're drafted a lot. Running back is the, in my opinion, at least one of the toughest positions to evaluate success in the NFL because we've seen guys get injured. We've seen first rounders be bust. We've seen undrafted guys be legendary successes. I am, I'm enthused by Pacheco. I still think this is Clyde Edwards, Layers chance to be a three down back. I think that he is going to garner the most touches by a long shot. I think Jarek McKinnon will be almost entirely a third down back. Uh, Ronald Jones, I think they want to see what he he brings. Maybe that's why Pacheco didn't play much because they want to see what Rojo brings. Um, I think he was a little bit had the stack the, the deck stacked against him, Ronald Jones, because the offensive line was horrendous for him. He had nowhere to go. Uh, that one sack was on him, though. He could yeah. have done a lot more in that sack. So it's kind of a uh, two pronged equation there. And we we knew going in Ronald Jones, the knock against him was pass protection. But I'm pumping the brakes. I think this is Clyde Edwards-Alaire's the clear one. Pacheco and and Jared McKinnon down here, and then Ronald Jones a tier below. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Jones does this week. Otherwise, he could be out in the next batch of five. Um, I'm surprised that Derek Gore made it this far too. I mean, I thought yeah. I thought maybe a running back would be gone in the first batch of five roster cuts, and he wasn't. So they're clearly still interested in some of the battle um, that could happen there. 
Are you ready, Matt? I'm ready. You must list one. It's our weekly you must list one, whether it's a book, whether it's a TV show slash movie, whether it is music. We try to keep it light on here. This is the, uh, it's different. They do cereal on Thursday. I don't really eat much cereal. So Matt and I decided to do books, music, and TV. And Richard, I don't really eat cereal. Richard, swing in here. What's up, guys? Richard. Richard's our producer, folks. If you've never, if you if you're just new and 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 checking out the show, he's the puppet master behind like our marionette selves, our mustachioed marionette selves. Yeah, let's talk must list this week. Uh, Richard, what do you got? What's your what's on your must list? My must list for this week. All right, I finally got around to seeing this. It's Prey, that new Predator prequel film I've that heard you could find me. on. It's it's pretty fun actually. I was you know I was a little hesitant, but it, it's great. It's like a it's an early 17th century tale of a young Comanche woman who decides to prove that she can hunt an animal that is actively hunting her back, and of course a predator shows up right there in her surrounding woods. And yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I loved it. Some good practical effects on the predator has like those cool mandibles that move. No CGI there. I love that. So check out Prey if you want a good, like, slick action movie. Yeah, I'm always up for that. Have you seen that, Sterling? No, dude. That is not done my alley at all. <laughs> I watch I watch sports, music documentaries, and Archer. And it's always sunny, basically. That's that's what you get from me. I'm, I'm not a, a TV. I'm definitely not a movie guy. Big Lebowski's great. Dude, you told me that you saw Downton Abbey three times. <laughs> Are you are you lying to the public right now? It was four. It was four. But besides that, you're lying to the public right now. Let it be. Let it be known. Uh, Sterling, what's on your must list this week? Uh, Dress to Kill by Kiss. This is my favorite Kiss album. I listened to the CD. I don't know. Seventy five thousand times. Probably hyperbole as a kid on a boombox. It was awesome. Uh, Probably a boombox. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, what you know, you put a, a CD in the top. They also have a cassette player in it. It's this big old thing. Uh, you could put it outside, put it on your shoulder. Do you think you could take that outside of a girl's house and like play a song? You could probably hold it up above your head and play yeah. some cheesy Ooh, 1980s song. Probably okay. like a song by, I don't know if it's Naked Eyes or not, but it feels like that would be something they would play. Uh, Dressed to Kill by Kiss, though. I love it. Ladies in Waiting, Two Timer. Rock and roll uh, all night, party every day, obviously. Uh, rock bottom. It was just uh, she. Uh, it was great. Also, probably songs you shouldn't listen to as a kid were on there. Uh, two-timer, Ladies in Waiting, Room Service. Probably not songs for a nine-year-old, but uh, they were great. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, those are, even the titles themselves give give away the, like, those are obvious Kiss kiss songs. What about you, Matt? What do you got? Um, so my must list this week, the eighties show Alf. I found this crazy streaming, uh, you know, like our smart TV has this app and it has an Alf channel, an Alf channel. If you click it, it just, it's just a channel that plays old Alf episodes like every 30 minutes, which I don't, I don't know if you guys remember this. Like I'm, I'm old. So I like, we used to watch Alf. Do you guys remember the show Alf? No, dude. I Richard. I think it was way it was it was past my time. I think I was I, I was barely conscious of my surroundings when Alf. Richard, was how old thing. are you? I'm 34. I'm 28, so we don't know Alf. I apologize. And yes, I, mean, I saw I know, Isaiah Pacheco is overrated like the Eagles. That was a top tier comment. Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. No, keep talking yeah, about Alf. No, dude. no. Yeah, please. Yeah, Alf. I, I'm not going to talk about Alf anymore. I just recommend Alf. It's great if you've never seen it. It's really 
it's it was a dumb show, but I just love it. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's my recommendation for the week. There's a 24/7 Alf channel, an 80s comedy about a family who has a cat eating alien living with them. There you go. Take us out of here. I'm not doing it now. Since you okay. Seen this Alf. was the Arrowhead Addict podcast. I apologize that Richard and I have not watched Alf. Matt Connor, number one Alf fan in the entire world. He actually was in a poll a trivia contest and actually came in first. So congratulations to Matt Connor. Uh, he also said, did you say that if we get, uh, I don't know, Richard, if we get 200 likes, will Matt Connor only have a goatee for next episode? That, or he can dress up like Alf for the next episode. Or dress up like Alf. Your choice, yeah. Matt. I, I say we go with that one. So 200 likes and Matt Connor will do uh, something of those two choices uh, for Matt Connor, for Richard. I am Sterling Holmes. We'll have the Airhead Attic Podcast on Thursday. Vertoram, Patrick Allen, we are out. 